0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. The NFL season is upon us tomorrow night. Game one will be played. Before we get to Thursday, Got a lot to get to here on this Wednesday edition of Fantasy Sports today. We've got a new team in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's been a while, but the Miami Heat has returned to potentially even play for an NBA championship. Of course, we have that. We've got some Major League Baseball to get to, the latest in the NFL from a fantasy perspective, of course, in sports wagering as well. I'm Craig Mish, and along with my co-host Joe Pizzapia, we cover it all for you here Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Joe, ready for another Wednesday here of the show and our first day of waivers, our first day of injuries, and our first day of getting closer to the season beginning tomorrow (laughs) night.
2: Yes, now it feels more like the NFL season because we have some injuries to talk about for sure, and waiver wires coming up. You just pointed that out. We're going to get to that later in the show. That is very exciting. The first waiver wire run of 2020 for the NFL, a lot to get to. So let's get after it, Miami Heat, man.
1: Yes. uh, Also, Dr. David Chad will be on with us a little bit later on, and we spent a great deal of time talking about what we can expect this football season uh, due to all the uh, COVID-related issues in 2020. Certainly, he has some uh, pretty strong opinions about that. That's coming up a little bit later in the show, so stay tuned. Uh, All right, let's get started. We start off, unfortunately, with a key injury to the Denver Broncos. And look, at this stage of Von Miller's career, he's certainly... Uh, look, he's, n- he's not going to be the player that he was seven years ago. That is for sure. But uh, no doubt he's an impact player that the Broncos end up losing and really don't have a replacement for. A lot of reports are saying that he's going to miss all of 2020. So our prayers are up for Von Miller, who probably is headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. As I mentioned, the Miami Heat advanced to the East Finals. Giannis was hurt uh, last game, didn't play uh, yesterday. Bucks actually made a game of it for about three quarters. But Miami really has a legit shot now to advance to the uh, finals. And they are the favorite, as a matter of fact, to beat whoever they face, which Boston or Toronto. So we'll see how far the heat can go. We'll see if they can beat the Clippers or the, the Lakers. Lakers will uh, certainly have something to say about that. So will the Clippers, who play, uh, who play again soon. Uh, Billy Donovan, this was a little bit of a surprise, won't return to be the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Billy Donovan, I thought did a really good job with the Thunder, but I, I suppose they were just unwilling to meet his demands. And Donovan was very successful at the University of Florida, very successful at Oklahoma City. Remember, he took the job with the Orlando Magic many years ago and then basically uh, quit before even the first day. So a little bit strange, but this is uh, Donovan's no stranger to strange things that has happened over the course <laughs> of his career. If he decides to coach again, he'll get a job very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, the first game of the college football season on Saturday has been postponed. Uh, Baylor, Louisiana Tech is not going to be played. They're going to have to I, I think they're even canceling this one. I don't think they're going to be able to play it because of the hurricane-related conditions in Louisiana. Louisiana Tech was basically had all their players going to different places for shelter. And unfortunately, some of them did test positive for COVID-19. So Louisiana Tech season is in jeopardy. And there'll be other games on Saturday, but this is going to happen a lot in, in college. It's going to happen in Pro Two. We uh, have a postponement. Uh, coming up this weekend. San Diego Padres hit their seventh Grand Slam of 2020 and an astronomical number for them as Will Myers hits one of them. He actually had two home runs. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. And LeBron James carries the Los Angeles Lakers. He, he, I don't know that he could do this every game, but he definitely did it last night against Houston. And the Lakers look like, at this point, even even though this could be a series that goes six or seven games, the Lakers do look like the better team and, and for all intents and purposes, it probably will be both L.A. teams facing off in the West Finals, which, Joe, is what everybody wants to see. And so we'll have that excitement next week. But let's uh, touch on some of the things happening on today's show.
2: Yeah, well, the Von Miller injury is definitely a huge one for the Denver Broncos. I know last year was only eight sacks for him. That's his lowest total since 2013 when he was injured. So every year outside of that other season in 2013, he's had double-digit sacks. Last year was a little bit of a down year for him. He was hoping for a bounce back. He's one of my personal favorite players in the league. I'm a big fan of Von Miller. And this is a tough loss because his presence on the field, his awareness on the field, his, his ability to get to the quarterback, which is something, you know, Bradley Chubb is a great player but he hasn't really been able to get to the quarterback on the NFL level. That's not been his game, really, if you look at the stat line. So that hasn't quite translated from his college days, and that's something now that we look at and say, okay, this is a huge blow to the Denver Broncos, missing him for the season. It's going to take its toll on this defense, and it's something already I think you want to factor into their win total and already start to factor in when you're looking in DFS on FanDuel as well, how you're going to potentially attack uh, that linebacking quarter a little bit because that's a, it's just a huge loss there for them. And look, great job here by the Heat. Uh, I know Giannis is the big name, but you know what? The Heat just proved to be the better team. And Jimmy Butler, what a great story he is, too. This is a guy that's dealt with a ton of hardships in his life. I was reading a lot about Jimmy Butler this morning and where he's at today. This has got to be a very satisfying moment, not only for him, but for all those Heat fans out there as well.
1: Yeah, and and for the teams that sort of gave up on him in the past, you know, where are they right now? They're not even around, and, and the Heat is. And certainly it's not just him. They've had a lot of great performances they, they don't have a superstar they have oh I mean maybe Jimmy Butler is a superstar but he's a borderline one and and they have five or six other players who have just come up really big at different times for them and a very young team as well so uh, it's hard to project what the NBA will look like when the fans are back and places are and are packed with fans again and some teams will have better home court advantage than they will with no fans at all I get that but I, I think you look at this season and say it's legit and and for what the Heat's able to accomplish, especially if they can beat one of the L.A. teams if that ends up happening in the finals. you got to get past probably Boston, who has a chance to wrap it all up tonight. Uh, probably a tougher matchup Boston will be than... In Milwaukee, but uh, I'm looking forward to see it. And here in South Florida, everyone's very excited. I can tell you that for sure. All right, our fantasy standouts in Major League Baseball are next, and then we go full go here with football the rest of the show. So stay tuned. Man, More fantasy sports today is coming up.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you every day From noon to 2 Eastern, covering fantasy, reality, and, of course, sports wagering, Dr. Chow is going to join us coming up in a little bit. He'll help you out and talk about what you should be doing with your fantasy teams this year, especially if you have to hit the waiver wire today, and prepare for what potentially could be a very wacky NFL season. There will not be enough prep. Starting now for your teams to make sure you are covered the rest of the way. There is no doubt about that. Uh, before we get to fantasy standouts real quick, one note in baseball, Ozzy Albies activated off the 10-day injured list. By the Atlanta Braves, the Braves have looked immortal the last couple of days against the Marlins. They really shut that Marlins really shut them down. So Albies will return. The Braves desperately need a win to stay alive and to stay in this thing in first place because the Phillies have come on real strong over the last couple of weeks. So we'll keep an eye on that. But for now, Joe, let's get to our fantasy standouts from Tuesday night and Tuesday afternoon. And let's start off with Nelson Cruz, the ageless wonder. Two more home runs on Tuesday, one in the first game of the doubleheader, one in the second. He leads the major leagues now with 15 home runs. He's tied. We'll get to that in a second. Gavin Lux has been back now for a week with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They really did not even need him, as it turns out, but they did last night because his home runs ended up winning the game for them. He hits his first two of 2020. I've had him in my lineup the whole year getting zeros. Good to see him getting some points from me here, getting some <laughs> stats from me, getting five RBIs. So I had no, no, other, no other options. I figured Gavin Lux will be up from the beginning. Why not? Instead, never. Sixto Sanchez of the Marlins uh, looks fantastic, looks like a top-ten pitcher in fantasy next year and, and maybe even better than that at this point. He has been as good as anyone over the last month. Six innings pitch, no one runs, six strikeouts. He improves to two and one. His ERA is just under two for the season. Will Myers of the Padres has really, I think, found a way to at least get him out of San Diego after the year with the year he's put together. Two home runs. Now he's got 11 on the season and five RBIs. It's been a big piece for them, and they they just couldn't dump him at all in the offseason. Now he's built some value back. Maybe they can coming up this winter. Alec Mills of the Cubs had a great start to his season. The last few starts have been not close to that, and then all of a sudden he was back to that again. Yesterday, six innings pitch, no one runs, six strikeouts. He's four and three. They're going to need him for the postseason as they're three or they're four for sure. And then Lance Lynn, who's had a great year for the Rangers, seven innings pitch, no run, runs, six strikeouts. He improves to five, two. I think the Rangers are probably going to ha- try and have to sign him somehow and, and convince him to stay in Texas because without him, I don't know where. I mean, they're not good anyway, Joe. I don't know where, where they would be without him. So a mix of some pitching and some hitting. But I, I think that for me, seeing Gavin Lux back, and hitting two home runs. I think Gavin Lux is going to be a superstar. I thought I got a great auction price on him, getting him so cheap, and I was completely wrong because he didn't play any games in July and August. But now I think he'll be in the lineup the rest of the way, and I really am unsure why he was not in the lineup from the beginning.
2: Well, look, he's well under 3K on FanDuel right now, and I was reading a little clip afterwards uh, after the game he was talking about. He's laying the ball on him on the plate a little bit more. He was a little out in front, probably just trying to do too much, like most young guys try to do. So if indeed he's seeing the ball a little bit better now, he's waiting on, he's getting his pitch to hit, uh, that's certainly a very encouraging evening, those two home runs for Gavin Lux. And I agree with you. I do think going forward you are going to see him. And look, your investment would have been a good one, over the 162 game season because even if he didn't come up the first month or two of the season four months of him two thirds of a major league baseball season would have still made him a very good investment but I think the Dodgers right now especially you're looking at him he's got a good matchup uh, against the Diamondbacks tonight so I would definitely have him as a lineup builder budget guy tonight. Great job by Will Myers continuing to pick guys up too in this offense because with Hosmer now in the DL, along with Tommy Pham. The Padres have lost pieces, and they've continued to roll. Mitch Moreland's moved into that four spot. He's very uh, friendly pricing tonight on FanDuel, as is Will Myers. They have a really good matchup as well against Sensatella tonight. And uh, look, obviously Nelson Cruz just continues to be amazing. And don't look now, but it's funny. We've been talking about it. Without Josh Donaldson, this lineup for the Twins just doesn't seem right. All of a sudden, Donaldson comes back last week. And wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden, lots of crooked numbers for the Minnesota Twins, which is crazy because they were so good last year and he wasn't on the team, but it just seemed like the offense that they were in the beginning of the year when Donaldson was there has not been the same offense since he left. And now that he's back and healthy in the lineup, all of a sudden everybody seems to be hitting again. So no one yard in that game as well. So lots of good stuff there for Minnesota. Hopefully they're going to finish strong also.
1: Everything is so magnified in 60 games. And and if the Yankees lost seven out of eight in – june or july nobody would think twice but this is sort of the season that we're at and that's why everyone is looking at everything and the other thing that we should look at at this point is the is the fact that there's a chance albeit an outside chance joe that we can have a 30 home run hitter in a 60 game season now again it seems to be unlikely given the amount of games that are left but we can't rule it out and if you take a look at right now who is leading the league in home runs and where they stand it would appear that at least four or five players have an opportunity, I think, to maybe get there if things go right. Cruz, being one of them, leads the league with 15. Mike Trout, here's a shocker, has 15 as well. Fernando Tatis Jr. got off to that amazing start. He's still doing very well. The home runs, uh, basically, he's hitting like two a week at this point. Nothing to, There's nothing wrong with that. It's just it can't be as hot as he was about uh, three weeks ago. He's got 15. Uh, Tioscar Hernandez does have 14, but he's on the injured list and probably won't be back for a couple of weeks. So I don't think there's... A chance for him, but we want to make sure we give him the, the praise for putting him in there. Luke Voigt has 14 for the Yankees. Marcelo Zuna has been scorching hot for the last two weeks. He's up to 13. Mookie Betts has 13 and Jose Abreu uh, has 13. That's where the home run leaders are at. And and look, Trout is the one, Joe, before the season that was was sort of the chalk in terms of betting the home run champion. Uh, Pete Alonso, of course, was the favorite, but Trout was not an astronomical number if he ends up winning. Cruz much bigger, Tatis much bigger, and then, of mm-hmm. course, the board would be everybody else. I, I don't think any of the players with 13 are going to hit 30, but I would say that maybe Cruz, maybe Trout, maybe even Tatis have a shot, which if you extrapolate those numbers, that's – like 70 home runs over a 162-game season. So Is that odd? Uh, hard, hard to project if that can really happen because players have slumps, but but some don't in 60 games, and we're not going to get that over the course of the whole way. Uh, I believe FanDuel uh, had the number of uh, total home runs at 28.5 was the most for one player, yes. but it looks like there's a shot, I would say, at least for three having a chance for 30. What do you think?
2: Uh, I think the smart money's on Nelson Cruz. I really do. He was my favorite for the home run title going into this. 30's going to be tough, man. I think everything has to break right here down the stretch. And uh, I think the lineup protection, specifically in the Twins lineup, is, is something that is a huge win for him, him compared to, I mean, Anthony Rendon is there right now in L.A., but compared to that, it's not the same thing. With the twins. The twins lineup is way more formidable. I think you and I would both agree on that than the Los Angeles Angels lineup. Um, and I think Cruz is that guy. I guess here's my question back to you. No designator has ever won the MVP. Could this be the year we get it? If Nelson Cruz, let's say, does hit 30 home runs? I mean, a guy who doesn't play the field, but in this weird season where we are, we look at the other contenders for that award in the American League, I think. Uh, it's very difficult to pick out one guy on the White Sox because collectively they've been very good. The 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 Blue Jays have been very good collectively. Maybe one guy stands out. Like Oscar Hernandez now on the IL, that probably kills his chances of making any conversation for that. So you have Mike Trout and Nelson Cruz. But if Cruz reaches that level, do you think he wins this award? Well, I, I think he has a shot. Um,
1: I mean, I don't know how how uh how trout wouldn't win it but i would say that if i had to guess the mvp right now would be trout and cruz would be second And you know, at least that's the the way that i view it um trout does have more rbis which is sort of an antiquated stat but it is a stat that they use to pick the mvp and i understand that trout's team is not winning or winning at all but when have they really won it all anyway joe so i i, I still see think Trout is the mvp
2: yeah, they see that. That's what I keep coming back to. And I'm glad you mentioned that. It's because, you know, I look at the Angels and you can't blame it all on Trout. The pitching hasn't been very good. The bottom of the order hasn't been very good for the Angels. At the same time, Nelson Cruz, if you take Nelson Cruz out of this this order for the Twins, they're still a very good order. But Nelson Cruz has been that guy. He was that guy last year, too. I mean, this, this dude continues into his late 30s, early 40s now to be one of the best players and most formidable offensive players in the game. And yet, because he's just a DH, and I say just a DH and doesn't play the field, I I understand not giving the award to a DH in normal seasons. I get that. But this isn't a normal season. And I don't know if it gets magnified because of the fact we are in just 60 games. And David Ortiz, at certain points, I know was in that conversation. That was the only other guy. Edgar Martinez, maybe a couple times. Frank Thomas, another guy, too. But it really does kind of give you a pause and, and make you wonder, what if Trout tails off? What if Cruz continues at this pace? And if so, one's a playoff team, one's not. I kind of agree with you. Default, he probably will get the award, Mike Trout. I think you can make a really strong case for Nelson Cruz this year if the Twins get the playoffs or even win the Central.
1: Yeah, I I think it's fair. I think Trout, again, as you said, would have to fall off a little bit, and that certainly could happen, and that can change, and then all of a sudden Cruz could become uh, the favorite. But uh, with Trout playing the field, I think that that is an advantage that that Cruz does not have. And the other players that you mentioned, uh, Frank Thomas at one point was a first baseman, um, and I I think that Ortiz was a first baseman too, and, and toward the end, you're right, they were DHs, and I think that Cruz is in that same stage. It, w- it would be hard for me to see, but not impossible. So we'll just keep an eye on it as the season rolls on. All right, Chris Coffs, has got our news update coming up here. And then we're going to hit the tip drill. We've got more great NBA action coming up later today. We'll see what ends up happening. And, of course, Jeremy Stein and Greg Sussman will break that all down for you. Those of you who have the 12th pick in your fantasy draft tonight, if you're drafting at the wheel in a 12-team league, we're going to tell you who to draft, help you out. So don't go away. More fantasy sports today is coming up next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Fantasy uh, football draft day, Joe. If you have the 12-pick overall in fantasy football, we're going to help you out here on the show. And especially if you have the 12th pick, today is your lucky day. Maybe not ours, but yours. Uh, 12th <laughs> pick
3: overall, Joe,
1: is, uh, is not an easy thing to do because, again, you are basically at the mercy of other people. And that's why auctions are so important in fantasy sports. There are some people who say that they love drafting on the wheel. I can tell you that uh, you do control the draft a little bit. You know, after everyone takes their first 11 picks – I prefer to have a little bit more control over my draft, especially in a snake draft. And I hate the fact that I am the last one in a fantasy draft to have my third pick. Uh, to me, that, that's that's a big disadvantage in a fantasy football league where you're only playing eight or nine guys. Uh, but that being said, Joe, take us through who you would take with the 12th <laughs> overall pick and, and your first selections, how they would
2: look. Well, Craig, you are correct in the sense you can control the draft a little bit from one of the bookends, from the top or the bottom. In the middle, sometimes you're at the mercy of certain runs that happen, and that what can be very frustrating for somebody drafting 6-7 or somewhere in that range. You really have to hit on everything right and not only hit on the right players but hit on the right players at the right time, whereas if you're at the bookends, you can just kind of watch the draft unfold. And that's the other great thing about when you're drafting 12 is you can see – what the trends are, and then you make your picks and then see what the trends are. And it allows you to kind of craft your strategy. So for me personally, give me that 12 spot every day of the week and twice on Super Sunday. So let's get after it. Let's look at the obviously the 12 spot in this draft. And just like the 10 spot the other day, I do believe the best thing to do is to double up on running back as soon as you possibly can, get it done early and often. And you'll see here in this draft here, number one overall I took in that first pick, josh jacobs of the raiders and then second followed it up with my guy aaron jones in the second now that is a very nice tandem i know for sure they're the guys they're the bell cows they're going to get the touchdown opportunities i think jacobs has room to improve this year on what he did in his rookie season which was pretty darn good to begin uh you see them also make some moves jettison some other players that you thought might potentially get involved in the offense but now I think it's going to be basically the Josh Jacobs show, and I think it's going to be very good for him. Again, this is a high-caliber guy, high-quality guy in terms of uh, we're talking character, we're talking work ethic, we're talking determination. And that doesn't show up in the box score, but it does because these kind of guys are going to be ready to play. So I love this running back tandem starting off with those two guys, and then that allows me to go to that well one more time when it comes back to me for another turn and get James Conner as my flex. Now, James Conner's a flex. We talked about him as number two, a little shaky as a flex, nothing but upside for days and days. Love this. Love the opportunity to have him there. If it doesn't work out, he is easier to replace in that flex spot than he is in that RB2 spot from a productivity standpoint. And then, of course, you got to start hitting wide receiver. You got to start hitting tight end. This you'll see the early tight end, which we don't see very often. But the way this draft was rolling out there. I decided to go early in the first five picks with tight ends, so we took Amari Cooper here, who had a great year. You expect Dallas to throw the football a ton. Dak Prescott was close to 5,000 yards last year. I expect him to be at least in that 45K range. Again, that means an easy 1,000-yard season out of 16 games for Amari Cooper, probably somewhere catches around 80. And then Darren Waller, who in a full-point PPR – Forget the touchdown totals. Touchdowns can be an anomaly, Craig. You and I both know that, and the smarter football fans know that as well. We'll see if they can work him into that red zone a little bit more. We'll see what the Raiders can do in that front. But at the very least, you know the game log is going to be consistent for Darren Waller. You know that the target volume is going to be consistent. So what you have in this team right off the bat here, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, James Conner, Amari Cooper, Darren Waller, what do you think of this core in these first five picks here?
1: Yeah, I I, I definitely think that at some point when you're that late, and I I think the key here is uh, taking Jacobs and Jones because you know that coming back, the running backs are going to be a little bit uncertain. And so once you took these three, you basically knew at this point, uh, I'm throwing darts the rest of the way. Um, And I would say that that would – I really honestly like these first five. I don't like six through ten at all. I would have had to change things up. Uh, because for me, I got to have some uh, league-winning dart throws at running back uh, in 6 through 10. Um, but let's take a look at it now, as, uh, and, and we'll go through it here. Um, so if we could pull up that graphic, by the way, guys, of uh, a pick, pick 6 through 10, that would be great. Um, all right, so here we go. We got uh, A.J. Green at wide receiver. Um, we got Matt Ryan uh, with the 7th pick, and this is from the 12th spot. Sterling Shepard at the eight. Henry Ruggs, nine, and then Marlon Mack is ten. There we go. There it is. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a late uh, pick in the 11th round. I don't like that either, Joe. So let's kind of go through this here. Through Absolutely. This. Look, I, I haven't crashed yeah. any of the draft yet. This is the first one, probably. So, look, you got, I mean, look, you already had enough receivers before you got to Shepherd and Ruggs. Like, I, I think that, what do you mean? I, I, have I think one, another
0: and... That was it.
1: <laughs> okay, so maybe not. I, I think I think you needed. I, I think that you had to have another running back in six through ten outside of Marlon Mack. Somebody else needed to be there, in my opinion. You're, you're, just you're the, I know not. I know you can't have everything, and there's one through five. Right. I know you can't have everything, but you gotta have some facility. If something happens to uh, one of these three guys, and I know that you'd say, "Well, I do." Okay, well, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, then I have James Conner. It's a long season, man. I think I think another running back needed to be had. I've I've really enjoyed this whole series that we've done, and you've worked really hard on it, and you've provided a lot of good content. And I actually took some of the players and tried to take the players. At, at, I used this in my drafts, but well, not really? this one. Well, <laughs> this I, is what I would be very unhappy
2: about. I will tell you why you don't like it. The reason you don't like it is because of where I took Darren Waller, because when you go and you reach for the last tight end that you think is a guy on the board that is an advantage tight end, you're going to suffer exactly in those rounds five and six, which is exactly where the running backs like Deandre Swift are going, or like Cam Akers are going and those kind of guys. So that's why you don't like this draft as much. And honestly, that's not wrong i think it's just a matter of approach now i feel really good about the floor and the ceiling of the two backs at the top I, I think connor is the upside guy but i don't disagree with you it's why so many of the drafts that i've done here that you like and the reason why you like them It's because I end up with guys like Hayden Hurst at my tight end. I end up with guys like Austin Hooper at tight end. And I think waiting on tight end is the smart thing to do because you do have to sacrifice upside running back or upside wide receiver. And then you have to sacrifice somewhere when you reach for tight end. But I think you can make up ground with some of those tight ends later on. Josh Kelly is the only late guy there in terms of running back that's on this roster I took a shot with. But you're not wrong. There is a little bit of lightness in that running back uh, position there. And it is because of where the tight end goes. Yeah and
1: and look every draft's going to look different on paper and trust me none of them always win there's always there's a lot of ways to do this that just gives you another look at it coming up next we'll take a look at the AFC South and some of the key contributors in fantasy don't go away this is fantasy sports today
4: Hey, everybody, what's going on? I am Greg Salsman, joined today by Jeremy Stein
3: of we who's here to break down tonight's NBA Slate. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much, we've got two great series to break down this evening.
4: Both Eastern and Western Conference semifinals here taking place tonight are really good series, so we're excited to get to the next game in both of them. Let's begin at the point guard position. I will go to the Clippers, specifically we'll go with Lou Williams. We talked about Patrick Beverly in the past. Lou Williams, obviously an offensive force. And Normally you've kind of gotten guys that work on both sides of the ball, but Lou Williams is really known for his offense, more so than defense. Why do you like skip to my Lou tonight?
3: He's playing 28 to 30 minutes per game, which gives him enough volume that given his price, he will easily reach value. It's very difficult to pay up for guys like Kyle Lowry this evening who have been consistently getting shut down, particularly with the surge of Baca injury. If he's out, I think that paying up at this position is even more dangerous. So Lou Williams is my guide tonight going to be careful with that Pascal Siakam injury. And, and as you mentioned,
4: Kyle Lowry, a little bit overpriced here tonight. Lou Williams makes a ton of sense at point guard. Moving over to shooting guard, that's where Paul George resides. PG-13 tonight, you can get him priced at just $8,200. Paul George has been a bit inconsistent in this series.
3: Why is tonight? the breakout game, of PG-13. He has been relatively inconsistent throughout the entire playoffs and even the entire bubble. But tonight, his price is reasonably attractive. And one of the main reasons for this is the amount of minutes that he's getting. He's playing 40 minutes per game. So he will see enough volume on both sides of the ball where he shared his value. I don't expect a ton of upside from him or really anybody else at this position but I do expect him team to hit value. Paul George, hopefully you get the game you need out of him because as you mentioned,
4: we just haven't, we haven't gotten to what we're used to seeing from Paul George. Tonight may be that night they are gonna finally break out, doing it on the defensive end. That's why those points are there. Hopefully the offense can come with it tonight. But if it doesn't, it's all right. because You got his teammate in the lineup here tonight and that's Kawhi Leonard. Leonard is the most expensive player on the stage. He's $10,600 for the Clippers this evening. And that's a heavy price tag. Looking at what he's done recently in this series against Denver, he hasn't given you five times value tonight. Obviously you're hoping
3: for more. What's going on? He hasn't, but at the end of the day, in this type of playoff scenario, I'm going to go with the best player in the playoffs. And that is easily Kawhi Leonard. He's been the best player in the playoffs for the past several years. So I have complete confidence that he can get it done. Again, I'm not seeing a ton of upside at this position, so I'm looking for a player, even though I'm paying up, who I do think will outperform everybody else.
4: Kawhi Leonard, while he hasn't hit value, obviously the consistency with the claw is what it is, right? He is one of the most consistent players in the NBA, both offensively and defensively, unlike Lou Williams. So Kawhi Leonard with his teammates, Paul George and Lou Williams, all in our lineups tonight. Moving over to Power Forward, that brings us to Boston and Toronto. Boston on the brink of the Eastern Conference Finals, and one of your guys that you've consistently gone with here during this postseason has been Daniel Tice. That is once again the case for you. Uh, Why Tice here? I know the minutes have been there. Why do you think
3: he gets value this evening? He is the most consistent performer at this position on this particular slate, and as you said, the minutes are there, and that's one of the main driving factors for why you want to start a guy like this. He's priced in the mid 5000 range, so he only needs 28 to 30 minutes of game time to really hit value, and that's what he's getting because he's averaging about 1 handle point per minute, so this is a pretty easy play.
4: Basically, what you told us earlier on in this series as well averaging about a fan drill point a minute those have been there we keep using that word consistency on this edition of the titular and, and rightfully so certainly when it comes to daniel tice but if you want somebody that isn't exactly someone we rely on every night you've used them before that's that's chris boucher he's priced under four thousand dollars tonight Pascal siakam has not been himself in this series and maybe with their season on the brink, the Raptors give Boucher a shot tonight.
3: I personally do not think that Ibaka will be playing it all this evening. So I think that they're going to have to rely on Boucher pretty heavily, and he's going to see a huge uptick in minutes. And if history is any indication, this guy shines in every big moment that he's been given the chance to. So at $3,900, this is probably the highest upside play on the slate. Obviously, you're gonna wanna check news because Jokic could be a good pivot if Ibaka is in. However, Chris Boucher can't go wrong.
4: He's a much more expensive pivot, isn't it?
3: Okay. <laughs>
4: if he plays tonight, uh, if he gets the minutes, he's going to be very, very valuable. Whenever he gets those minutes, as Jeremy says, he shines. But he's seen just 22 minutes total during this series against Boston. He saw 11 minutes uh, back in the last game. That was as many minutes as he saw combined in the previous four. We'll see what happens tonight with Chris Boucher. If Nick Nurse will Increases minutes with the season on the line. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight.
3: Thank you so much.
4: Enjoy these games. As we keep saying, there's just not many nights left. But we're gonna have two nights, two games a night. So make sure you enjoy it. I'm Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Salsman. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the NBA Tip Drill.
1: All right, thank you very much, Greg and Jeremy. Looking forward to the NBA games again tonight. Of course, the fantasy schedule begins for everyone tomorrow night as Houston takes on Kansas City. Got games coming up Sunday and Monday as well. Let's take an early look at what the teams could look like in the AFC South in 2020, Joe. Let's start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who will go with Gardner Minshew at quarterback in 2020. Uh, The running back situation is just a flat-out mess at this point. Uh, James Robinson, who I know very little about, is going to have an opportunity to play. Chris Thompson will be in there on third down. Minchu did check down quite a bit last year, so certainly there's a chance for him. And Devine Ozigbo, I had never heard his name until two weeks ago. So uh, none of these guys are on my fantasy radar. DJ at wide receiver, and Chris Conley, who if he can catch the ball, is pretty good. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, I know, has some sort of injury issue that he's working through as well. And then at tight end, it is Tyler Eifert. Um, I, you know what, Joe? I think Minshew's got a chance to put up a lot of numbers in garbage time this year. I think that that's mm-hmm. a possibility. I think Thompson's going to catch a lot of balls. The Jaguars are just not a very good football team. They'll win some games 16-13. They'll lose some games 47-10. But in the end, <laughs> it, it, it's it's just not a great fantasy situation. And it's a team that probably is, is looking at drafting a new quarterback next year. They're going to have two really good shots at this thing. They're going to have a shot, first of all, of getting Trevor Lawrence. And if not, there's another kid who goes to the University of Florida and Kyle Trask, and that's an hour away, Jacksonville to Gainesville. Uh, the Jaguars are going to let Minshew go out there and do his best. And and I like the guy, but <laughs> I don't really want to – he's actually my backup quarterback, <laughs> quarterback in fantasy this year in one of my leagues. Well, and, that, that,
2: and that's okay. As a, as a backup quarterback or, or as your third guy in a super flex – that's not so bad because right. I think you're right there is going to be some time where you're going to get a few garbage time games out of him and in the DFS community too in that world there's going to be some moments there where he's going to look good in certain situations the one guy that I do have on a lot of my teams is DJ shark because things haven't changed all that much for him and his role and I was just so impressed with this guy last year. I'm, I'm telling you, in terms of watching him run routes, in terms of watching him catch the football, he has great awareness, great hands. He does all of those little things that you would think a veteran would be doing in the NFL, but as a rookie, he did sure. with quarterback play that was spotty at times. And I just, I have a really, uh, just a soft spot for him. And also the ADP was soft. And that was another thing for me too, where that's a great combination of stuff where I love the player, the ADP is soft. And once I got rid of Fournette, To me, that was also a nice little boost in his value because he's going to see more opportunities because I do think with that collection of guys, they're going to struggle. And we're going to get into this a little later on in the program with the waiver wire here. And there's going to be a lot of questions because a lot of people are going to be throwing a lot of fab at these guys. And I don't know if there is a right answer. I think we can give our best guess But really, they're already kicking the tires on Devontae Freeman. There's been a lot of discussion about that, too. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're right. This is basically just, hey, we're going to go out there this year and turn things over for a new quarterback. And I think DJ Shark is that one guy, though, uh, that you want on your team. I know Davis Maddock here at the network is very high on LaVisca Chenault. We'll see if he can uh, step up in his rookie year, too. But Shark, I think, is that one piece that carries over from DFS and uh, from season long as well.
1: Yeah, forget it. Just ignore this team, honestly. All right, Houston. (laughs) Go
2: DJ DJ for the Mish. I love DJ. All right, let's go over to Houston
1: and take a look at at their prospects for uh, 2020. The Texans, of course, will have MVP candidate every year, Deshaun Watson there, who makes the most unbelievable plays on the field. Uh, in line for probably another big season, I would guess. David Johnson, Duke Johnson. I, I probably like Duke Johnson even more than David Johnson, honestly. I have no interest in David Johnson whatsoever. Uh, Will Fuller could potentially be good if he's healthy. I, I think he could be in line for a big year. Cooks has got to stay healthy, too, and they have Cobb. You know, this is this is one of those interesting situations. It reminds me a little of Washington last year where I mm-hmm. could see – someone that we're not talking about here emerge as a good wide receiver for Houston. And that, that, that it reminds me of that situation where I don't love any of these guys. And because of their injury history, maybe there's a fourth guy in the mix somewhere here. And then Darren Fells you want no part of, but he is their tight end. So uh, Watson is going to put up the numbers, Joe. Uh, maybe there's more for him on the ground this year than in the past. And, and I do think Houston is going to uh, surprise some people and prove people wrong, meaning there I think they're still going to be an 8-8 eight eight team, 9-7 team. I do think that their defense is good enough to carry them. And, and look, Watson is a superstar quarterback. He just does not have the supporting cast that Jackson and Mahomes have, and that's why he's going after them in drafts. But in terms of talent, I got Watson there with those other two.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, I said it yesterday on the show and I drive it home again today, Watson has fallen in drafts more than he should based on the cast of characters. And I don't think that's correct. In fact, you can argue with the lack of running game, he might even have some better passing stats, he might have to be more aggressive, like you're saying, he might have to run the football a little bit more himself at times. So Altogether, in terms of fantasy potential, I think Watson's fantasy potential, even without Hopkins and without the Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde style running back between the tackles, there might be a better fantasy season ahead of us for Deshaun Watson, and he might make somebody else relevant. We'll see who that guy is, but I am willing to roll the dice on Will Fuller one more time here in this scenario because... I have seen that connection so many times. I mean, it has been so good between them when he's been on the field. There's been so much touchdown upside, too. It's almost insane. If Fuller was healthy and on the field, he was basically catching a touchdown from Deshaun Watson. It's nuts. Now, it certainly helps to have DeAndre Hopkins on the field. There's no doubt about that. But Cooks is still a presence. If Cooks is healthy enough to go out there, he's at least something you have to account for in the field. We'll see what Cobb can do in the slot. But I think that Fuller's that one guy I would roll the dice on. And I'm with you. I do think they are going to challenge, and they could potentially win this division. There's no doubt about that. We'll see what the Colts are. I know you're not high on them either. We'll see what happens with these teams. I like another team in this division, though, too, to run away with things.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very in on the Colts' defense. And I think from a fantasy perspective, that's the one team that I targeted in the two drafts that I was in uh, they really, uh, when I was hosting this uh, radio show with Davis Matic, he sold me on that. I looked at their schedule. It is a very soft first eight games. And then you worry about the rest of the season after the first eight games. Who cares? Their schedule is soft at the beginning. Uh, their offense to me is is worrisome because I am not in on Phillip Rivers at all this year. And I think that they're going to have to run the ball a ton to get it done. And they may because Marlon Mack to me is still good. And, and Taylor, I don't think is as good as Mack. But We'll see how that works out, and then Hines catches the ball out of the backfield and can run a little bit as well. T.Y. Hilton is healthy and ready to go for another year. Whether that maintains is questionable. Paris Campbell going into another season of some promise, we'll see. And Pittman Jr., I think next year, is going to be a star in the NFL, but I I just don't know. First-year quarterback, new system, new team, rookie quarterback? I I, I don't know. I I can't see a a very early-season connection with these two. And then uh, Jack Doyle is their tight end who's pretty serviceable and and is going to end up winning a fantasy week for someone because he's going to have a big week. And Rivers has a lot of great history throwing to tight ends like Gates, like Henry. So I could see that combination happening. But I'm not big on the offense of the Colts, Joe. I am big on their defense. I think their defense is going to be top three this year. But I I think this is the end of the line for Rivers. I think
2: this, this is his final year. Yeah, I am also big on that D as well. A couple individual players like Leonard as well, just absolute game-changing guys in the IDP side. And I'm willing to, and I just did last week in my IDP draft, go out there and take him first overall in your IDP legs because he is that good in terms of that first guy off the board. Go reach around early if you have to. Uh, And there's two interesting narratives developing here around Philip Rivers. The first one is, well, are we going to get the Philip Rivers is going to make Guys like Naheem Hines, just like he made, you know, Danny Woodhead and, and Darren Sproles and that type and style running back useful. And the tight ends, like you just mentioned in the past, very useful. But Jack Doyle and Naheem Hines might not necessarily be those two guys. Then there's another camp, and the other camp makes Campbell and Pittman and those kind of guys useful. And it's not going to be all of the above. You have to pick a side on this and figure yeah, out what it's do. going to be. And, and I'm telling you that that's the biggest problem. A lot of people aren't. They're trying to say, well, there's one narrative here where it's going to be old-school Phillip Rivers, and then there's another narrative here saying it's going to be these young wide receivers coming up. If anything, I actually lean a little bit towards the old man, the veteran quarterback, and the tendencies that he has and the things he's comfortable with because I think when you were – Again, it's not a new offense for him because he's worked with Frank Reich before, but it's a different set of personnel. And I think what you want to do is you lean on that a little bit more. You lean on the veteran and what he likes to do and what he feels comfortable doing in that offense. So I do think Doyle and Hines are going to be there and be useful. And I think Campbell – I would love to see Campbell emerge. I just don't think it's going to happen in this scenario. I think Pittman is a guy that in the second half could come on a little bit, especially if T.Y. Hilton has an injury. I think there might be a need for Pittman to step up into that void, but that's something week eight and on. And I am with you. I think Marlon Mack, at least for the first six weeks of the season, is going to be very useful. In fact, I think he's going to be very useful week one in FanDuel as well. Priced very well. Good matchup against Jacksonville. I really like that uh, price for him and Marlon Mack in week one.
1: All right, let's close it out with a look at the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill is back with them at quarterback after that great playoff run and second half of the season run that he had with them last year. And you know, no doubt, Derrick Henry is back poised for another huge season for Tennessee and, and probably will end up either leading the league in rushing or come close. Great pick, as always, in fantasy. Agent Brown went very high in all the leagues that I was in. A little surprising to me. But I suppose if if you just look at what he did when Tannehill came in, it would lead you to believe a lot more touchdowns are coming, and he is arguably one of the top red zone targets in all of the NFL. Corey Davis is there, and so is uh, Adam Humphreys to a lesser degree. You would, would take those guys as a... Uh, Wide receiver three or flex. And then Jonu Smith, I know, uh, Joe, is someone that you've, uh, you've targeted in a few leagues, and he, did, he no longer has to worry about Delaney Walker taking playing time away from him. And so just based on volume alone, I would guess Jonu Smith will grade out as a tight end one at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll be right on that 11-12 cusp. And you know what? For the ADP in the 14th round give me that that's a great return on investment if you get a tight end one in the 14th round of a draft uh he has some touchdown upside as well Tannehill, i think is a good position there we're looking for somebody else to throw the ball to besides aj brown i think john who fits the best in what they want to do because this is not a big high-flying offense this is a grounded pound kind of attack Tannehill is still very good as a secondary quarterback i think you can live with him as your number two in a super flex i'd rather have somebody a little bit better But I think you can live with it if that's the case. Uh, There's no doubt Derek Henry is the man. And A.J. Brown was incredibly efficient last year. He is a a matchup disaster. Another big-bodied wide receiver. So especially in the red zone, he causes all kinds of problems. I will say this. Everyone's knocking him for how efficient he is. And they say, there's got to be regression. To which I say, hey, efficiency is a great thing. The fact that he's catching as many balls that are thrown to him is a great thing. Let's hope that things improve just a little bit. And all of a sudden, maybe the volume goes up. So I am very bullish on the Titans and their D this year as well.
1: All right. Coming up next, it's the moment that we've all been waiting for since the pandemic began back in March. The moment where all sports are happening at once. And that is coming tomorrow. And we're going to go through all of the wagering and watching opportunities that we have next here on Fantasy Sports Today Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here with you on Sports Grid. Dr. David Chow joins us coming up in 15 minutes to give you the latest on the injuries in the NFL. And, of course, we've got our top stories coming up at the top of the hour as well. But, Joe, it's been a long time since we've had this much excitement in sports. And we were craving for it even just to get the KBO back on TV. And now, <laughs> lo and behold, what we have in front of us tomorrow night is is honestly of epic proportions because adding to the fray of having the Stanley Cup and having the NBA and having Major League Baseball, we have football back as well. Take a look at some of the options over at the FanDuel Sportsbook coming up tomorrow night. And we'll start off, of course, Joe, with uh, the game that we'll be talking about here quite a bit on tomorrow's show. We've got Houston and Kansas City with the Chiefs' 9.5-point favorites. But here in South Florida, Joe, everyone is excited to have college football back. And in Miami Gardens, the University of Miami will have their first debut of 2020 with their new quarterback, the Eric King, who two years ago was the top fantasy college quarterback in the land. He's their quarterback now in Miami, went from Houston to Miami, said he wasn't leaving Houston, and then, of course, left a few weeks later. UAB Miami, Miami minus 14. The Lakers will be taking on the Rockets. The Lakers are five-point favorites. We've got the West West. In the NHL, Vegas Golden Knights, minus 170 over Dallas. And we have Major League Baseball on top of that all. We asked for it, Joe. It is finally here. And normally this time of the year, do we have the NBA? No. Do we have the NHL? No. Uh, but we've got that all, as well as college and pro football. I think that uh, really this is this is our prime time, I think, here at Sports Grid too, to be able to cover all of this all at once. It's
2: crazy. That's right. All at once, all at the same time. That's the key. Can we do it all at once? And the answer is yes, of course we can at Sports Grid. Uh, I cannot wait for this football game, though. I got to tell you, they were running the replay of the playoff game from last season between these two teams between the Texans and the chiefs and i caught it right in the middle of the first quarter when the texans i think were already up by at least a score or two and i was like well i'm gonna watch the rest of this this is just you know a tremendous game and one of the more entertaining high scoring games again you have to like offense if this is a defensive minded fan you might not enjoy that game as much as i did but it was so fun to watch what a great way to start off the nfl season too. i i'm curious your thoughts on that line two nine and a half there did you think that's giving Kansas City too much respect and not enough for the Texans?
1: First game of the season, anything can happen. We've seen that in the past. We saw Houston take a big lead on Kansas City in the playoffs and KC run Mm -hmm. all the way back. So uh, I like Houston a little bit first half. Don't know really much about the game, but I do have one piece of advice for you, Joe, and everybody else, myself included in fantasy. Avoid the temptation of sending a tweet out the first hour of the game. Trust me. (laughs) Let whatever happens happen. Don't mention anything. Week five, absolutely, have at it. First game for hour, Let it let it play out. That's my advice. I've seen this happen on the other side before. It gets ugly very quickly. Okay, hour two is upon us here on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay on the grid. We've got highlights coming up. Waiver Wire Wednesday as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back.